Oh, it's a, it's a beautiful morning. It's nice and cool out, which is fantastic. Every, towards the end of the season, the two seasons we have every year, we have summer and we have winter, um, I always feel this longing for, it's like, okay, I'm done. I'm done with summer now. I'm done with winter now. Um, and we're there. Uh, but it's interesting right now, as we're drawing to the end of the season, um, have a big, a big fire north of us. And it just seems very, very fitting that the temperature's cooling um, to help out with making sure the management of that fire. And um, I'd like to take a moment for us to all pray in agreement over the safety of those involved. So if you would agree with me. Lord, we pray for the mosquito fire. Uh, we pray for all those that have been evacuated, that this time is, is not a burden, that they're welcomed in with open arms, that this um, process all goes smoothly and is able to be contained rapidly, Lord. We pray for miraculous rain over this. We pray for um, just the, the exact needed weather conditions so that there can be full containment and safety of the firefighters and those that are, that are on hand managing this, Lord. Um, we pray that it doesn't continue down into any populated areas and that it just gets, it dissipates out and is no more, Lord. We thank you for, we thank you that we can turn to you, Lord, that we can pray to you over all these things and we can put, utterly put our faith within you. Amen. Amen. Prayer is a wonderful thing that we have, that each and every one of us can actually communicate with God, that we can reach out to him, that he hears us and he knows us. Um, it's through this wonderful work on the cross that Chris was talking about that each and every one of us can have an abiding relationship with our maker, that every single one of us can pray mightily to the Lord. Um, we don't have to go through anyone else. It doesn't have to be a special prayer from the front. Every single one of us can cry out to him at any moment of the day. Um, and it's just this wonderful freedom that he has granted us that I think a lot of times we can take for granted, that it's just it's a part of our lives. It's always been a part of our lives uh, because of what Jesus did thousands of years ago for us, that he freed us from the law of sin. He freed us from, um, from being slaves to it and gave us this new freedom within the grace of his new covenant in his blood. Um, and a bit of what I want to talk about today is going to be talking about the old law and that we are no longer under the old law, but we still can learn from it. Out of Romans 3, it says, For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. You're not saved by anything you're going to do. Nothing on this earth that you do is going to save you but one thing and putting your faith in Christ. That's the only thing. Jesus did it this way that no one may boast, that it's no one, nothing that anyone on this earth has earned this relationship with God, this forgiveness through his sacrifice? Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, which should be a great encouragement to everyone here, because I'm fairly sure everyone in this room is a Gentile, in case you were not aware. Unless you are directly related to Israel, you are a Gentile. And so wonderful that God has brought you in to his family. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Although we have freedom in Christ, although we have the grace to be with him and not be subject to the law anymore, we still look to it as our tutors, the one that guides us so that we can see what truth do you have for us within this, Lord? As you 
have brought Israel along in ages gone past. There was reasons for that. There was a heart to it that was missed by them at the time. What is the heart of your law that you want us to follow today? Your loving precepts, Lord. And that's what I want to talk about today. One of these very loving precepts, which it's interesting. Anyone who has worked with kids or has children, you teach them things that you know is for their best, and still they don't do them. You're, what? Why? This is so good for you. I just think about that with nap time every day. It's so good for you to just take a nap. Everyone will be happier at the end of this day. And that's exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about God's Sabbath. God's rest, it's so much better for you to do this. It's so much better for all of humanity to make this a regular practice in our lives. And yet we, we rebel against it. We fight against it. We find reasons to not take it. And we're going to talk about all this today, but it's a part of God's good intent for all of mankind. He instructed us to rest. Out of Leviticus 23.3, it says, Six days shall work be done. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It's a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. How many people on this earth are consistently telling you, hey, don't do more. Take a break. Don't do anything, actually. Hold back your hand from work on this day. It's just not a common thing we hear. Particularly within our nation, we are an incredibly industrious people. There's always more to do. There's always more to see. There's always more to get done. And that's the nation we live in. We live in an amazing nation that's achieved amazing things. But we're working ourselves to death. And God's saying, you need to, you need to rest. It may be a part of the Ten Commandments, but it was instituted long long before this. This was actually instituted on the seventh day. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But that's interesting. This is a part of the law. And a lot of times we look at that and go, well, the law was for the Israelites. That's not necessarily for us. But this is actually one of those pieces that it was never intended to be just for them. Out of Isaiah 56, 6 through 8, it says, and the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it, and holds fast my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. This is one of the precepts that was actually for all of mankind. It was meant to be something that every single person should honor and participate in. But God had to make it a law. I thought that was interesting. If we look at our laws today, we really do have to make laws just to make people rest or to protect people from others so they can rest. Just think about California code. Um, I don't actually know the code number. <laughs> that would be nifty, wouldn't it? Um, for working. If you work so many hours, you get a 15-minute break. So many more, 30-minute lunch. So many more, another 15. So many more, another lunch. So many days, you must have a day off. We have laws about this to protect people from themselves. You must take a break. Why? Because people won't or people won't let others take a break if you don't put it into law. 
And this is what God has done because he just presented this before us. He said, I've made this day holy. Here you are. Enjoy. And we went, hard pass. There's work to be done, Lord. And so it has to be made a law so that we actually listen to it. We listen to these good things. It has to be made a rule. There has to be a consequence, which is sorrowful to my soul that we have to make laws for these things that are for our best. It's such a good thing. It was example to us from the very beginning. Genesis 2. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And there's a big question we always need to ask whenever we read scripture. And that's the question of why. Why did God do this? Why did God rest on the seventh day? Does God actually need to rest? Is there anything that tires out the Lord? Does he ever become weary? Does he ever need to sit down and go, that was a lot. Is that God? No, he never becomes weary. He never needs to sleep. He never needs to lay his hand down, but he did. And so we must ask why. And it's an example for all of mankind. It's for our best, something we needed to learn, that we need to rest. And he gives some really good reasons for this for us. Out of Ezekiel 20, 12, so there's two reasons I want to talk about. The first one is this. Moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths as a sign between me and them that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. When you look back at that account of the seventh day, when the Sabbath is established, and you read Genesis 1 beforehand, which if you haven't read it recently, go ahead and go and read it, and look for some interesting patterns there. On the first day, it says it was evening and morning the first day. It was evening and morning the second day. It was evening and morning the third day. And this happens every day. It was evening and it was morning. It's the establishment of that day, and it has a beginning and it has an end. On the seventh day, that doesn't happen. There is no declaration of end because the work is complete. This is how it's intended to be. As mankind, we are intended to partake in God's rest. We think about the land at that time. They didn't even have to water the plants. There was a mist that came up everywhere. Everything was watered. All they had to do was pick the fruit. They had to tend it, but there are no thistles. There are no thorns. There are no weeds. The whole process was meant to be enjoying God's rest with him. And his Sabbath is a regular invitation to partake in what was intended from the very beginning, once a week, as a reminder that it is the Lord who makes us holy. It is the Lord who has done all these things. And it's the Lord we're going to return to one day when things are renewed and made whole once again. It's this invitation to enjoy things as they were always meant to be, not as they are. And secondly, out of Exodus 23, it says, For six years you shall sow your land and gather in its yield. But the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow, that the poor of your people may eat, and what they leave the beasts of the field may eat. You shall do likewise with your vineyard and with your olive orchard. Six days you shall do your work, but on the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may have rest and the son of your servant woman, and the alien may be refreshed. The Sabbath is meant as a time of renewal, 
a renewal of the land, a renewal of the body, a renewal of the mind, a renewal of the spirit. It's meant to renew you. It's to ward off attrition. Attrition is the slow taking of land or the slow taking of something little by little by little by little. And if you work and 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 you never stop working, you may get enough sleep so your body is technically okay, but it will wear out your mind and your soul. And when you start wearing out those things, eventually it does have an effect on your body as well. You will wear yourself down to weariness over time, and your life will become a product of have-tos. I have to go to work today. I have to make dinner tonight. I have to spend some time with the kids. I gotta go out with my spouse. I have to go to the birthday party. I have to go to another wedding. I have to. And you're, you're weary of just the joys of life, even because you have not allowed your body to be renewed. You're not allowed your soul to be renewed, your spirit to be renewed in the Lord regularly as he intended, as he commanded. He said, it's so good for you, I'm making it a law. And it sounds like a good thing. It sounds like something everything, everybody would want. Just, I get to take a break every work, every week, and I get to say this is of the Lord, where I get to just, just not have to do any sort of work? That sounds like a good thing. It sounds like something most people want. I bet if I asked any of you, do you, would you like another day off? You would say, yes. I doubt a single one of you, if I said, would you like another day off? You would tell me no. Maybe a few if you're retired. <laughs> but most people do feel this of being overworked, of having too much, of going and going and going, and needing that time to rest from it but not taking it or not feeling that they can. And so there are some things that are getting in the way, preventing us from doing this. Out of Ezekiel 20, 11 through 13, it says, I gave them my statutes and made known to them my rules, by which if a person does them, he shall live. Moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths as a sign between me and them that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. But the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They did not walk in my statutes, but rejected my rules, by which if a person does them, he shall live. And my Sabbaths they greatly profaned. Then I said I would pour out my wrath upon them in the wilderness to make full end of them. It's an interesting sort of thing. The Sabbaths is listed as one of these rules and statutes, just one of them. But it's incredibly repetitive, you see through all of the prophets, God saying, they ignored my rules and they profaned my Sabbaths. There's over 500 rules, Sabbath being one of them. They ignored all those and we're going to single out the Sabbath. And this happens again and again and again. So we should gather some importance that this one statute is specifically named over and over again throughout Scripture as being profaned. And what does it mean to profane the Sabbath? Because you can actually take that day off and still profane the Sabbath. We're going to get into that. Well, I want to talk about some of the things that have gotten in the way of us truly taking a Sabbath to the Lord. The first one is laziness. And it seems counterintuitive to say that. It's like, well, isn't laziness like the idea on that day? And no, um, that's not what I mean here. 
Proverbs 6, 9 through 11. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. What I mean by laziness affecting the Sabbath is we are not doing what needs to be done when we should be doing it. When you take that day off, when you set it aside, you go, this is going to be my Sabbath day, and you go through your week and your busyness and your weariness, and you get to that day and you go, you know, we've got all this time. We could do Costco today. Is that restful at all? I have not been once to Costco and felt refreshed afterwards. <laughs> or that's the day we go and build the fence. Or that's the day we go and split the wood. Or that's the day we go and take care of all the things that we felt we never made time for, that we don't have time for. All these things that we should have allotted time during the six days of work so that we could actually have the one day of rest. We're not taking care of the things that need to be taken care of when they need to be taken care of. This might not be everybody, but I got a lot of things here. I'm pretty sure I'm going to hit everybody. Please don't be offended. Because the next one's idolatry. Leviticus 26, 1 through 2. You shall not make idols for yourselves or erect an image or pillar, and you shall not set up a figured stone in your land to bow down to it. For I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. What is idolatry? Idolatry is prioritizing and worshiping something other than God. So how might that get in the way on the Sabbath? What things as a nation do we worship? I was just told recently, hey, you know what season has started up? It's football season. When do they play football? Sunday. I don't know how, I'm not sure how many times I've heard, ah, I can't go to church on Sunday. My team's playing. If Sunday is the day you've established as your Sabbath, TiVo it. Record it. Do watch it later. But don't set aside the things of the Lord for something else because that has become an idol in your life. You are worshiping it. You're dedicating time out of your life specifically to it because you feel, I cannot miss it. And it doesn't just have to be football. It could be all sorts of other sports, mainly for the little ones. Because how many sports get played by kids, and when do they play them? Sundays, Saturdays, the times when most people have. And we feel that if they don't play the sport, then they will never be on a team, and they won't, or they won't get that camaraderie, and they'll lose their self-esteem, and then their whole life will spiral down, and they'll eventually live under a bridge. At least we can kind of hype it up to that point sometimes. But do we say, well, we got to go all day long on Sunday after church. I, at least I made it to church, but we got to go, 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 go to the three different games that we have for the kids after Sunday. And is that refreshing and restful? Is that the Sabbath? I would say if that's a priority in your life, you need to make the Sabbath another day. You gotta, if that's going to be a priority in your life, you can't call that your Sabbath. You've got to make it a different day where you actually do Sabbath to the Lord. Because like I said, we are not under the law. It's not Sunday that has to be your Sabbath. It's just, it's a day. It's a, it's a space of time. But don't use that time for something else you worship. We'll, we'll lay off sports for a minute. It could be video games. 
What do you do on your day off? I play games because that's restful. Did you ever take a moment throughout that whole day to honor the Lord with your time or appreciate him? Was there anything about that deemed holy unto God to appreciate his good creation? Just simply because it's something you enjoy does not mean it's how God intended you to Sabbath. Because you've now taken that time for your good pleasure and not to enjoy the Lord and all that he has presented before you. It could be for greed or ambition. Nehemiah 13, in those days I saw Judah, saw in Judah people treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in heaps of grain and loading them on donkeys and also wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of loads which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I warned them on the day when they sold food. Tyrians also who lived in the city brought in fish and all kinds of goods and sold them on the Sabbath to the people of Judah in Jerusalem itself. Then I confronted the nobles of Judah and said to them, what is this evil thing you are doing? Profaning the Sabbath day. Did not your fathers act in this way? And did not our God bring all this disaster on us and on this city? Now you are bringing more wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. The context here, Nehemiah has come back to the city to repair it after it has been utterly destroyed. He's helped repair the walls because of all of the sin that Israel had done, and God punished them. It's like, we're trying to reverse that, and you're going right back to your old ways. And there's two sides of this. Why might greed or ambition affect the Sabbath? Well, one thing is another's day work is another's day income. And when money is tight, that's awfully tempting. Bills have to be paid. We have goals that we need to make. We don't want to have this mortgage forever. If I work another day, well, that's some extra overtime. We might be able to get another payment on there, and there's always a reason we can to have another day's work, to get something done, to get a little bit farther ahead, because if you don't keep going, you're going to fall behind. You'll never catch up. At least that's the way it's said to us. And the other side of it is this amazing thing of convenience that we have in this beautiful land that we have. I've heard tale of the great days when Sunday nothing was open. I was not alive during this time, but I've heard of the great days. But it's interesting, whenever I talk to any of those people, none of them seem too upset that most businesses are open seven days a week anymore, or now. There's, there was not an outcry against this. There's not, they're open on Sunday, they're not honoring the Lord. That didn't, that didn't happen. Because we enjoy our convenience. We really enjoy that if I need a carton of milk, I can go on Sunday. We really enjoy that on the whatever day off I pick, there is something open. And so what I would ask in that is when we have these businesses, like I heard someone say, Chick-fil-A, where they have chosen a specific day of the week that they will not open. And it could be Sunday, it could be Monday, it could be Friday, whatever day. They've chosen that day and they want to give it to their employees as a Sabbath. They want to honor this principle. Do we still support those companies or do we take our business elsewhere because, ah, that's inconvenient for me now. I'm not going there. Do we lay our convenience aside to support the godly principle they're trying to uphold? Are we making it harder for them to do that very thing for the sake of convenience? The last thing is good old-fashioned selfishness. 
Isaiah 58, 13 through 14, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mountain of the Lord has spoken. It's a day to delight in the Lord and his creation. It's not a day of selfish pursuits. And this can be a hard balance to find, is to make sure that what we do is something that we can delight in creation, in the things that he has given us, in the simple things of life, but not just to simply do things that are for our own desires, that we'd never even consider God within it. We just take it as a, a, a day for ourselves. It's about making it a holy convocation unto God is the idea here. I'm going to break that down in a little bit when we have some strategies on what that looks like. But there are some major consequences to neglecting this, to neglecting regular rest. And I have a quote here from Joshua Becker. He's written several things on resting each week. It says, physicians, athletes, philosophers, poets, religious leaders, and corporate leaders all tell us the same thing. Take time to rest. It is absolutely essential for a balanced, healthy life. Yet when you ask people in today's frenzied culture if they intentionally set aside time for rest, most will tell you they are too busy. Even fewer would say they set aside any concentrated time, 12 to 24 hours, for rest. There are just too many things to get done, too many demands, too many responsibilities, too many bills, too much urgency. Nobody can afford to waste time resting in today's results-oriented world. That strike true for anybody else in this room? Unfortunately, this hectic pace is causing damage to our quality of life. We are destroying every sense of our being, body, mind, and soul. There's a reason we run faster and work harder, but only fall further behind. Our lives have become too full, too out of balance. Somewhere along the way, we lost the essential practice of concentrated rest. So the foremost thing that this causes an issue with is weariness, weariness of the soul. Out of Matthew eleven twenty eight through 29, it says, Come to me, all who labor are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And this will affect all areas of your life. You will become embittered towards the toil. You'll want to just cut it all out eventually. Just, I'm done! I'm not doing anything. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not talking to anyone. If you've been there, you've been there. If you're working and you haven't been you're there, there yet, you're on your way. But it's a bitterness towards the life itself and the simple joys of it. This time with family and friends, they, just, they begin to burden you. It's just another thing. It's just another thing. It's just another thing. Because your life is out of balance. You don't have the correct amount of rest and space you need to rejuvenate yourself. And this will cause a diminished, and fi diminished physical health, neglect of relationships, an increase in stress, actually less productivity, and less mental clarity. You wear yourself down. You think it's for the best, but it ends up you, you're, not, you're nowhere near as good as you could be. 
had you taken that break. And you're headed on your way to burning out from all the things that you actually enjoy, from the things that you find value in, and you just, you're going to end up giving up on them. Or they will just be something that you're embittered towards. And we don't want this to happen. So what are some good strategies for healthy rest? And the very first one I would submit to everybody is gain healthy perspective. Out of Mark 2, 27 through 28, it says, And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Don't let this be a rule, another rule to follow. Another thing, another thing you have to do. Just now it's on my have to's. If you live a scheduled life, then maybe you do need to write it in the schedule. You need to just block out the day so that it isn't planned for and you have to guard against it. But don't let it become another rule. Let it be something that you find joy in. And you're going to need to actually seek the things that you find joy in the Lord. And this is going to be different for everybody. It's not going to be the same. We're not the same as they were 2,000 years ago. In the sense of almost nobody here, there's a couple, almost nobody here is a farmer. But almost all of them were. Their Sabbaths would have looked very similar. But when you lay aside work and you take upon things that are the joy of the Lord in that day, that's going to look different. For me, I find great joy and fulfillment in the Lord when I cook. Now, there has to be a few things in place, otherwise it's just more work. I need to have the freedom to just do what I want. I'm just cooking something that's fun. It needs to have no time constraints, and it needs to be in a clean kitchen. So in order for that to happen, you have to prepare for it. You might have to have done some things prior so that when you come to that day, you can enjoy the time. But I just like to pick four or five different recipes and take the parts that I like, and it drives my wife crazy because she's a recipe follower, and I am not at all. I'm like, no, that part's not any good. That's, I don't want that. We don't need this. And she's like, ah! And I like to create. I like to take part in God's work of creation, of forming something for my family and what they would enjoy, and the flavors they desire, and watching it take form, and being able to have everyone gather around and enjoy it with one another. It brings me great joy in the Lord to do this. But if you cook for a living, you shouldn't do that. You should find something else that brings you joy. You should have some stuff that's already prepared, so all you have to do is just heat it up, and you still got to eat on that day. But it might be something of gardening. It could be art, whether it be painting or sculpting or drawing. It could be studying. It could be music, whether listening to it or playing it. Something that brings you joy that you can celebrate God in. It's not just more work. Out of Ecclesiastes 3, 9 through 13, it says, What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the busyness that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I would ask you within this realm of perspective to consider all the things in your life that you've decided are so 
very important. Things you've almost deemed to be have-tos. It's not, not necessarily work, but it's the other things that you've filled your time with. We have to do these things. And I would ask you to consider, do you? Do you have to do all the things? Because there's no end to the things that we could be doing. And are they worth all the time that we give them? Or would we not have benefit to simply choose a few and take the time of rest so that we can really enjoy the things we're doing? And plan ahead. Out of Exodus 16, 22 through 23, it says, On the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till morning. You have six days for the to-dos. Most people, most, I won't say everybody, most people have a two-day weekend if Saturday or Sunday is the day of rest, you need to do the work on the opposite day. If you're going to take Sunday as your Sabbath, get everything done on Saturday. Take care of it so that on Sunday you can truly Sabbath to God. Now, I know there are some that have a really hard time not getting something done every day. That eats at your soul to not check one thing off the list. And so again, I want to offer you a solution that you are not under the law. Move the time around. Saturday morning, get work done. Stop at noon. And then Sabbath from noon to noon the following day. And then you can get the rest of the work done Sunday afternoon. But take a concentrated chunk of time to just enjoy God. Enjoy everything he's put around you. Plan ahead for it. Take the long rest when you need to. Leviticus 25, 3-4. For six years you shall sow your field. And for six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in its fruit. But in the seventh year, there shall be a Sabbath, a solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. This is the idea of taking not just a day, but maybe a week, maybe two, maybe three. You could actually take a sabbatical, which comes from this word, which is maybe it's a couple of months of rest and they've really been a long time and you need a bigger break. Take it! And when I say that, that's a vacation, not a trip. We recently went down to Disneyland. That's a trip. That was not a vacation. (laughs) The rest came the days after we got back. But you have to have times of rest. It's just at home. Or maybe it's at the beach. But there's not a schedule on it. There's not a plan on it. There's not a have to. It shouldn't cause any sort of stress. It should cause refreshment. But take it when you need it. The Israelites, they took three a year. It was, again, another law. Three weeks out of the year they were to go and have a feast, a Sabbath long, a week-long Sabbath unto God, to celebrate him and all that he had done. Three weeks a year. How many of you take a three three weeks of vacation a year? It was a part of their laws. Everyone must. And we're lucky if everyone takes a week a year if not a few days. But take the long trip when you need it because you can work the land to death, you can work yourself to death. We've actually done that in this country where we've worked the land to death. This happened, if any of you have heard of um, the Grapes of Wrath, the Dust Bowl, that was in the Midwest. They worked the land to death. There was nothing left in it. They never gave it any rest. 
And when the winds came, it caused all the dust to fly over, thus the dust bowl, and everyone had to leave. They actually fled to California. That's why there's so much agriculture that's in this state. My family is one of those families. I found this out after my grandmother died. We, me and my grandpa opened up the family Bible where it had a record of births, and it's like, oh, look at all the twins in our family. And then all of, we turn the page and Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. <laughs> I'm quite literally an Oki. <laughs> but you can work it to death if you never give it a break, and you can work yourself to death if you never give yourself a break. And that's what we're doing. That's what's happening. We need to take the regular time we need and evaluate your life. Evaluate the schedule. Take some time to look at the calendar. And if it looks like mine, where there's just everything is full, you need to reassess. Out of 1 Corinthians 10, 23, it says, All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Are we simply doing too much? It's too much going on. Do we need to scale back? And when you take the time, be purposeful about the time. The word Shabbat, which is where Sabbath comes from, means stop working. The other word associated with this is nuach, which means to be refreshed. Stop doing the things that are work. Do the things that you find refreshment. And that might be nothing. That might be sitting on the couch all day for some. You need to do that. To really be refreshed, you just have to stop everything. Some people cannot stop if their life depended on it. So do something that brings refreshment to you. Don't waste the time on things that don't. Because then the purpose is out the window. You might as well have just worked if it's not bringing refreshment. And set some good boundaries. Because if you have an empty day on the calendar and someone finds out about that, they're going to want to fill up something. When you tell somebody, oh, I can't do anything on that day, sorry, and they go, oh, what do you have going on? And you say, nothing. They go, so you can. You have to say, no. <laughs> you have to set the good boundaries on that time. It is scheduled time of a rest unto the Lord. Amen. And take some time to find out what brings you joy in God. Out of Psalm 119, Beginning in verse 33, it says, Teach me, O Lord, the ways of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in them. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. Amen. Would you stand with us?